Hi there. Uh, this is something new I'm trying on the podcast. So these will be raw, unedited um, ra rants or discussions of things I am discovering as I go. So I figured, you know, a podcast is a platform to share your thoughts. And of course, the main uh, purpose of the podcast is to interview amazing people, researchers, clinicians, entrepreneurs, artists that are making the world a better place and contributing to our collective evolution. However, it is also a platform to share your views, I suppose. And so what I was thinking is to start sharing articles or bits of information I discover that may be relevant to you, may be interesting to you. You may want to delve deeper in, maybe share with other people and things like that, right? So today's uh, little, uh, I guess, article that I would like to uh, bring your attention to is 18 reasons I won't be getting a COVID vaccine. Now, the, uh, the article is by a guy called Christian Elliott. He, uh, it originally appeared on his own website, but the article link I'm sharing with you is to the Children's Health Defense website. Now, if you don't know what the Children's Health Defense is, it's a nonprofit organization uh, led by Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And um, basically, they fight for all things, um, you know, against big pharma, big energy, big food, big tech censorship, uh, uh, big chemical. So, um, you know, poisons in our food, poisons, medications uh, that are poisons, uh, tech censorship, just a ton of different things, right? So great, really great resource of, I would say, unbiased information, because as you probably are aware, and this is one of the reasons this is an audio-only uh, kind of uh, uh, segment on my podcast, is uh, the big tech companies are censoring a lot of stuff related to, uh, for example, COVID, right? So there's a lot of, the science is far from settled. There's a lot of debate that is being initiated that is being silenced in order to push one agenda on us, uh, uh, you know, one biased agenda to vaccinate us all, to keep us uh, locked up at home, con in, in basically in confinement, a la prison style, and so on and so forth, right? So the tech companies are hugely uh, Im 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 implicit uh, in this whole process of censoring dialogue that is against the the mainstream, the um, the, the the narrative that is being uh, you know that we're being smacked in the head with on a daily basis, right? So the Children's Health Defense, uh, their their Facebook page has been taken down. Their, uh, uh, I believe, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s Instagram was shut down. So they're being heavily censored, and it's because they're 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 coming out with a lot of truth, a lot of stuff that is not making it to the mainstream news sources, to the social media websites, for again for the reasons to keep us basically ignorant and unaware of of the whole story. So childrenshealthdefense.org. I will have uh, the link to the website, of course, in the show notes here. And I will, I will actually become a, a member to support them 
with a small donation. There's also some resources that they give you. Um, and I would highly recommend that you do that because the resources are very, very interesting, right? So uh, that was a quick note. The, this guy, Christian Elliott, I, I think he's he's a little bit like me. He's like a, like a, like a coach, a health coach. So uh, you, you have to take everything here with a grain of salt. He seems like a really well, uh, healthy guy, informed guy, very cool guy. Uh, I may interview him at some point if uh, I might reach out to him. I just wanted to get this out as quickly as possible to you so that you can hopefully read the article, make your own decision, and hopefully share it with other people. Because this will not make, this will not go viral. It will not be allowed to go viral uh, on any social media website, right? So we have to peer-to-peer share this information. And what, so, okay, so what, what, what is the article? It's 18 reasons he won't be getting the COVID vaccine. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole article in, in depth because it's a very long article. And the thing about it is there is a lot of links and references in there. So again, I want to highly encourage you to check it out. At least just, just browse through it. It might pique your interest. And, and, and by the way, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't get the vaccine. I'm just giving you one guy's point of view. And I tend to agree with a lot of the points he makes. So getting straight into his reasons. So number reason number one, vaccine makers are immune from liability, right? So they're the only industry in the world that bears no liability whatsoever for injuries or deaths resulting from their products. It's only the vaccine makers, right? So uh, 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 other other drug companies may still be liable for, for, for the drugs they put out, but vaccine manuf- uh, manufacturers, makers, uh, basically since 1986, with the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, have since then, so basically since, since the year I was born, vaccine manufacturers have been uh, pretty much uh, protected by, by governments. Uh, they can't be sued directly. So in, if, if, you, if you're in the States and you, you, know, you have a, a, an adverse effect from a vaccine, you have to go to a vaccine court, which is an extremely difficult process to win, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you go through that. And the thing is, the payouts that come out, so that, that vaccine court has paid out over $4.2 billion since since 1988, I believe. I have uh, someone coming on the podcast uh, next week to discuss that. Um, but yeah, so they've paid out $4.2 billion. And here's the fun part. Uh, quote unquote fun <laughs> is that is taxpayer money. So it's your taxpayer money that pays out uh, the injuries and or deaths caused by vaccines uh, that the, f- the few people that actually manage to win, they get paid out with, with, with the taxpayer's money. So that's, that's, you know, we're, and so what the guy says, Christian uh, Elliott in the article says no liability, no trust. That, that's pretty much like, think about it. If someone has no liability, how much in terms of steps, safety steps and measures and testing, how much would they care about it? You know, if they're out to make a, a, a few quick billion with a vaccine, you know, it kind of, it's economic reasoning, uh, economic common sense that the less onerous the regulations and, and standards are, the less 
stringent a company's uh, own safety testing will be, right? It's just, it's common sense that that's what they will do because there's more money in less testing. Less safety testing means it's cheaper to come out with, with a product and start making money faster. Right, so number two, point number two, the checkered past of vaccine companies. So the four major companies who are making COVID vaccines are, have either never brought a vaccine to market before COVID, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson have never brought a vaccine to market. It's their first vaccine. Are serial felons, Pfizer and AstraZeneca, so criminals, basically, they've been proven to, to have done criminal acts, or are both. So Johnson & Johnson, they're, they're, they're also a felon and have never brought a vaccine to market, right? So I won't go into all the, 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 the details, that, like I said in the article, but here's a, a, a part of the article, a quote, in fact, all major vaccine makers, except Moderna, have paid out tens of billions of dollars in damages for other products they brought to market when they knew those products would cause injuries and death. So they knew that would happen, but the money they would have made would outweigh the the tens of billions of dollars in damages that they would pay out. So see, and there's links here, see Vioxx, Bextra, Celebrex, Thalidomide, and opioids. There's And there's links there you can follow to read more about what the what what are the you know the the criminal damages that these companies have paid out so if drug companies willfully choose to put harmful products in the market when they can be sued why would we trust any product where they have no liability isn't that absolutely preposterous to be to trust them right okay so three of the four covid vaccine makers have been sued for products they brought to market even though the new injuries and deaths would result. So Johnson and Johnson lost major four lawsuits. Sorry, sorry. Johnson and Johnson has lost major lawsuits in 95, 96, 2001, 2010, 2011, 2016, 2019. Uh, for what it's worth, the company's vaccine also contains tissues from aborted fetal cells. Perhaps a topic for another discussion. And then there's more kind of links to Pfizer. AstraZeneca, and, and, and there's a ton of things you can see of, uh, in terms of the criminal liability, uh, payouts, uh, court cases, and, and so, so on related to these companies' kind of criminal history. <clears throat> okay, so that's point two. Again, I, I encourage you to read the article. I won't go into all the other points because this would turn into a very long, uh, it's already 11 minutes, I'm into it. So number three. Ugly history of attempts to make coronavirus vaccines, right? So there have been many attempts to make viral vaccines in the past that ended in utter failure. So, which is why we did not have a coronavirus vaccine in 2020. So in the 90s, in the 1960s, scientists attempted to make an RSV uh, respiratory sin site show virus vaccine for infants. In that study, they skipped animal trials because the trials weren't required then. In the end, the vaccinated infants got much sicker than the unvaccinated infants when exposed to the virus in nature, with 80% of the vaccinated infants requiring requiring hospitalization 
two of them died, right? Then there was uh, some some more information. So you can read a summary of the history science here. There's individual studies. Uh, so in 2004, uh, attempted vaccine produced hepatitis in ferrets. In 2005, mice and civets became sick and more susceptible to coronaviruses after being vaccinated. In 2012, the ferrets became sick and died. And in that study, mice and ferrets developed lung disease. In 2016, a study also produced lung disease in mice. So these studies where they tried to produce a coronavirus vaccine resulted in horrendous, horrendous things happening to the poor animals that they um, tested it on. Okay, there more more information in the article for you to read. Point number four: the data gaps submitted by FDA to, uh, to the FDA by vaccine makers. So, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration (FDA) uh, basically the vaccine makers submitted their papers for the emergency use authorization for for, for this vaccine for the coronavirus vaccine. So there was data gaps. There was many data gaps they, rep- uh, uh, they reported was that they have nothing in their trials. Sorry, am- among the many data gaps they reported was that they have nothing in their trials to suggest they, overca- they overcame that pesky problem of vaccine-enhanced disease mentioned in the previous point. So they don't know if the vaccines they've made will also produce the same cytokine storm as it's known and deaths as previous attempts such products have done in the past, right? So uh, Dr. Joseph Marcola points out previous attempts to develop an mRNA-based drug using lipid nanoparticles failed and had to be abandoned because when the dose was too low, the drug had no effect. When dose too high, the drug became too toxic. An obvious question is, what has changed that now makes this technology safe enough for mass use? So if that's not alarming enough, here are other gaps in the data. In other words, there is no data to suggest safety or efficacy regarding anyone younger than age 18 or older than 55, pregnant or lactating mothers, people with autoimmune conditions, immunocompromised individuals, uh, no data on transmission of COVID, no data on preventing mortality from COVID, no data on duration of protection from COVID. So we don't know any of these things, if, if it's safe. For pregnant women, and they're talking about uh, uh, injecting pregnant women with it, and I believe that a couple of was it it it's over a hundred, possibly over two hundred pregnant women have already died after receiving the vaccine. So that that's the VA ERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, is where that data is logged, and we'll get to that in a second anyway. So. So there's documents that the um, uh, Moderna and Pfizer sent in. You can check out their own documents that they submitted to the FDA where the the gaps in that, the data gaps are documented, right? Now, (laughs) this one, point number five, no access to raw data from the trials of these vaccines. So, would you like to see the raw data that produced the 90 and 95% effective claims touted in the news? Me too, but the companies won't let us see the data. Uh, 
states the author in the, in the article. As pointed out in the BMJ, uh, something about the Pfizer and Moderna efficacy claims smells really funny. There were three, three, 3,410 total cases of suspected but unconfirmed COVID-19 in the overall study population. Uh, almost 1,600 occurred in the vaccine group and 1,800 in the placebo group. So, so basically what, what he's talking about here is that there was people in the trials that were suspected of having COVID, but this was not confirmed. So they didn't even test those people that they suspected uh, that they had COVID, right? So this is extremely kind of poor scientific practice. That is a huge, hugely important variable that you, that you have to rule out. You know, if, you, if you're testing a vaccine and people have the, the thing that you're vaccinating against, that is a humongous gap in terms of the quality of the study, right? And then you can read more about it here uh, in the article as mentioned. Then number six, no long-term safety testing. So um, with products that have been on the market only a few months, we have no long-term safety data. In other words, we have no idea what this product will do in the body months or years from now for any population. So think about it. They, they did a few weeks of testing on these things that change your immune system. They affect your adaptive immune system. So you know, as you may know that changes in the adaptive immune system negative in a negative way can lead to autoimmune disease, can lead to all kinds of things, uh, the body attacking its own tissues. And, you know, autoimmune disease can lead to tissue degeneration uh, in, in anywhere, you know, from the gut to the brain to, you know, uh, uh, the joints. So there's a lot of unknowns and it's, and it's the, the immune system is so complex, right? It's so complex. And you introduce something like this completely novel, there is no telling what could happen, right? So anyway, that, 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 that it, it, it's an emergency. We were conditioned to believe the whole thing is an emergency. So we, we have to forego, we have to forego these long-term safety tests in order to what save lives. Uh, let's see, let's see what the rest of the article says. So no informed consent, point number seven. What most who are taking the vaccine don't know is that because these products are still in clinical trials, Anyone who gets the shot is now part of the clinical trial, part of the experiment. So those like me who do not take it are part of the control group. Time will tell how this experiment works out. But you may be asking, if the vaccines are causing harm, wouldn't we be seeing that all over the news? Surely the FDA would step in and pause the distribution? Editors note, federal health officials on Tuesday, this is like a couple of weeks old at this point, maybe a week and a half. Um, uh, federal health officials on Tuesday paused the Johnson and Johnson vaccine over concerns related to blood clots. So that, as you probably may know, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has at the moment paused due to some potential risks with blood clots. So if the vaccine adverse events reporting system, VAERS, the government-run system for reporting deaths and injuries after vaccines worked, Maybe things would be different, but so apparently there's some issues with the vaccine adverse event reporting system. <clears throat> oh, 
Okay, point number eight. Underreporting of adverse reactions and deaths. So according to a study commissioned by uh, the U.S. government, less than 1% of all adverse reactions to vaccines are actually submitted to the VAERS. So while the problems with VAERS have not been fixed, at the time of this writing, there has been, in that government system for reporting adverse events, there has been over 2,200 deaths from the current COVID vaccines, as well as close to 60,000 adverse reactions. Now, if these numbers represent only 1% of the total adverse reactions, and there's also potentially, it could be 0.8 of a percent to 2%, uh, there's another link to a study there. That, and, and like I said already, I haven't read all the studies. I haven't really gone through every single link to to do my complete due diligence. I'm just sharing someone's article, hoping you will you will read it and you do your own due diligence. And of course, I will uh, as soon as I have time. I will dig much deeper into the stuff. But but if if it's uh, if it if those numbers that are being reported represent one percent. Uh, that equates to somewhere around 110,000 deaths to 220,000 deaths from vaccines to date that have not been reported, most of them, and a ridiculous number of adverse reactions. But you didn't bet you didn't see that on the news. So that death number would currently still be lower than the 424,000 deaths from medical errors that happen every year which you probably also don't hear about, but we're not even six months into the rollout of these vaccines yet. So what he's talking about is uh, medical errors, doctor errors are one of the leading causes of death in the United States of America. So that's something that a lot of people don't know. So that, that, you know, uh, what does that really mean? It means that, Medicine is far from infallible and perfect. And when it comes to something this uh, rushed and this experimental, uh, you have to be skeptical. You can't be, you can't just go blindly trust uh, what we already covered about the track record of these vaccines. They're, They're basically criminally liable for, you know, billions and billions of, 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 of dollars in damages, you cannot trust them because what is their main motive? Customers for life and profit. That's their, it's not about healing the planet. It's not about, it's, they're all profit driven organizations. That is their number one agenda. Or, you know, if, if you're a, a conspiracy uh, uh, inclined person, you could say that is one of their, uh, one of their agendas, and other agendas could be like things like, you know, keeping the population sick, and and so on and so forth. I won't get into that right now. I have a great episode with Charlie Robinson. You can um, I'll, I'll include a link to it in the episode show notes. Talking about he's a conspiracy analyst. He has a podcast where you can learn a lot more about. Uh, this kind of stuff, you know, there's, we are conditioned to think people that are analyzing conspiracies are nut jobs and things like that. But uh, uh, 
as someone who has spent some time digging into this, I can assure you the rabbit hole goes deep and, you know, uh, just go, check out Charlie Robinson and his book, The Op- Octopus of Global Control, and you will learn a little bit about this kind of stuff. And you, you, you might become a little bit less trusting then. Now, you may already have uh, dug into this stuff already if you're listening to this podcast. In that case, I'm preaching to the choir. But in that case, what you should do is then spread this information more, please. We cannot blindly trust the government. I think that's that's what we've learned from this whole COVID situation. Now, moving on to point number nine. So, oh my God, this this you know this kind of stuff just gets better and better. So, point number nine: the vaccines don't stop transmission or infection. So, the guy uh, Christian says, uh, Christian Elliot, the, the author says. Aren't these vaccines supposed to be what we've been waiting for to go back to normal? Nope. Why do you think we're getting all these conflicting messages about needing needing to practice social distancing and wear masks after we get a vaccine? The reason is because these vaccines were never designed, there's a link to, you can read further, to stop transmission or infection. So if you don't believe me, I refer you again to the papers submitted to the FDA I linked above, which show that the primary endpoint, what the vaccine or endpoint end means what the vaccines are meant to accomplish. So the primary endpoint is to lower your symptoms. <laughs> Sounds like just about every other drug on the market, right? That's it. Lowering your symptom symptoms is the big payoff we've been waiting for. Does that seem completely pointless to anyone but me? So it can't stop us from spreading the virus. It can't stop the virus from infecting us once we have it, the vaccine. And to get the vaccine is to accept all the risk of these experimental products. And the best it might do is to lower your symptoms. So <laughs> the, and the author continues to say, There are plenty of other things I can do to lower my symptoms that don't involve taking what appears to be a really risky product. Now for the next logical question. If we worried about asymptomatic spreaders, would the vaccine not make it more likely that we are creating asymptomatic spread? So asymptomatic simply means you don't, you have COVID, but you don't, uh, and we were, again, we're conditioned to, 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 to think I could have COVID. I just don't have symptoms because maybe I'm healthy or young, but I could be spreading it. So, you know, this is why we all have to wear masks and we all have to social distance is what we are, we are being told. So author continues, if it indeed reduces symptoms, anyone who gets it might not even know that they are sick and thus they're more likely to spread the virus, right? For what it's worth, I've heard many people say that the side effects of the vaccine, especially the second dose, are worse than catching COVID. I can't make sense of that either. Take the risk, get no protection. Suffer through the vaccine side effects. Keep wearing your mask and social distancing and continue to be able to spread the virus. Okay, so that get, that, that's point nine. Point ten. P, okay, so... <laughs> Point 10, people are catching COVID after being fully vaccinated. Talk about a bummer. You get vaccinated and you still catch COVID. 
It's and then there's a bunch of links you can read further reports of this. So it's happening in Washington State, it's happening in New York, it's happening in Michigan, it's happening in Hawaii, it's happening in several other states too. Another link there, and it happened to 80% of 35 nuns who got the vaccine in Kentucky. Two of them died, by the way. So in reality, this phenomenon is probably happening everywhere, but those are the ones making the news now. Okay, so again, that's not the point. It's not about not catching the virus, right? And here's a, here's a, it's about lowering the symptom. There's also a a link to the WashingtonPost.com that's uh, uh, 60, uh, I don't know exactly, I haven't read the, the article, but it says 66% of healthcare workers in LA are going to delay or skip the vaccine. So that's what the Washington Post reports. And maybe they aren't wowed by the rushed science either. Maybe they're watching the shady way deaths and cases are being reported. Which brings us to point number 11. Overall death rate from COVID. So according to the CDC's own numbers, COVID has a 99.74 survival rate. So why would I take a risk on a product that doesn't stop infection or transmission to help me overcome a cold that has a 0.26% chance of killing me, which actually in the author's uh, age range is about a 0.1% chance, okay? And then for his kids, it's a 0.01 chance of killing his kids, right? So 0.01%. So for his kids, 99.99% of survival. And for, for the author's age range, he looks, he's about my age maybe, The that's 99.9% chance that he will live if he gets COVID. Okay. But no, the whole world has to get vaccinated, they say. Uh, So, yeah, he continues to say, with a bar death rate that low, we will be in lockdown every year forever. But wait, what about the 500 plus, 500 plus thousand deaths? So there's been over half a million deaths reported from COVID. That's alarming, right? I'm glad you asked. So point number 12, bloated COVID death numbers. Something smells really funny about this one. Uh, Never before in the history of death certificates has our own government changed how deaths are reported. Why now are we reporting everyone who dies with COVID in their body as having died of COVID rather than the comorbidities that actually took their life? So until COVID, all coronaviruses, common codes, were never listed as the primary cause of death when someone died of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, or any other major comorbidity. The disease was listed as the cause of death, and a confounding factor like flu or pneumonia was listed on a separate line. So to blow the numbers even more, the World Health Organization and the CDC changed their guidelines such that those who are suspected, suspected, or probable, but were never confirmed of having died of COVID, are included in the death numbers. So, so if you are suspected, suspected, or probably you had it, without any proof, testing, or whatever, they, they, they listed you as COVID. 
death. If we are going to do that, then should we not go back and change the numbers of all past cold and flu seasons so that we can compare apples to apples when it comes to death rates? So according to the CDC's own numbers, uh, only six only six percent of the deaths being attributed to COVID are instances where COVID seems to be the only issue at hand. So I'm not a mathematician, but 6% of uh, 500,000 deaths is somewhere around, you know, between 25 and 30,000 deaths, right? So <laughs> it's like 20, 26,000 deaths, I think. I'm not, I'm not completely sure off the top of my head here. So that's, in other words, reduce the death numbers you see on the news by 94% and you have what is likely the real numbers of deaths from just COVID. Even if the former CDC director is correct and COVID-19 was a lab-enhanced virus, uh, a 0.26% death rate is still in line with the viral death rate that circles the planet every year. Then there's this Fauci guy. I'd really love to trust him, but besides the fact that he hasn't treated one COVID patient, you should probably know Point number 13, so Fauci and others at NIAID own patents on the Moderna vaccine. So God, did this, like, I want to finish this uh, fairly soon. Thank you for staying with me. If you are staying with me again, please share this with other people because this is, this is absolutely mind blowing. So, so thanks to the Bay Doe Act, government workers are allowed to file patents on any research they do using taxpayer funding. <clears throat> so, Tony Fauci owns more than 1,000 patents. There's a video you can uh, watch there to learn about that. Including patents being used on the Moderna vaccine for which he approved government funding. In fact, the National Institutes of Health, which oversees the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, of which Fauci is the director, claims joint ownership of Moderna's vaccine. Does anyone else see this as a major conflict of interest or criminal even? I say criminal because there's also this pesky problem that makes me even more distrustful of Fauci, the NIAD and the NIH in general, that's point 14. Fauci is on the hot seat for illegal gain-of-function research. So gain-of-function research is where scientists attempt to make viruses gain functions, so to make them more transmissible and deadlier. Sounds a little bit unethical, right? How could that possibly be helpful? So then the author states, our government, the U.S. government, agreed, and in 2014, they banned this practice of gain-of-function research. So what did the Fauci-led NIAID do? They, piv they pivoted and outsourced the gain-of-function research in coronaviruses to China, and there was a $600,000 grant there. So Mr. Fauci, you have some explaining to do. And I hope the cameras are recording when you have to defend your actions. Then point number 15, the virus continues to mutate. Okay, so you know what? I, I won't actually go into this because there's th th this is another kind of 
rabbit hole. So, so the the point here is that if if this virus is mutating, um, you know, how, how many vaccines will it take to 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 immunize people? You know, it's if it's mutating every every uh, day or, or 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 every few hours, how are you ever going to stay on top of of over something like this? And then point number sixteen: censorship and the complete absence of scientific debate. So uh, authors, uh, quoting the authors, I can't help but get snarky here, so humor me. How did you enjoy all those nationally and globally televised robust debates put on by public health officials and broadcast simultaneously on every major news station? Wasn't it great hearing from the best minds in medicine, virology, epidemiology, economics, vaccinology, from all over the world as they vigorously and respectfully debated things like lockdowns, mask wearing, social distancing, vaccine efficacy and safety trials, how to screen for susceptibility to vaccine injury, injury therapeutics, i.e. non-vaccinated treatment options. Wasn't it great seeing public health officials who never treated anyone with COVID have their science, science in quotes, questioned? Wasn't it great seeing the FDA panel publicly grill the vaccine makers in prime time as they stood in the hot seat of tough questions about products of which they have no liability? Oh, wait, you didn't see those debates? No, you didn't because they never happened. What happened instead was heavy-handed censorship of all but one narrative. Mark Zuckerberg can question vaccine safety, but I can't. When did the First Amendment become a suggestion? It's the First Amendment, Mark, the one our founders thought was most important. With so much at stake, why are we fed only one narrative? Shouldn't many perspectives be heard and professionally debated? What has happened to science? What has happened to the scientific method of always challenging our assumptions? What happened to lively debate in this country, or at least in Western society? Did anyone who disagrees with the World Health Organization or the CDC get censored? No, wh sorry. Why did anyone who disagrees with the WHO or the CDC get censored so heavily? Is the science of public health a religion now? Or is science supposed to be about debate? If someone says the science is settled, that's how I know I'm dealing with someone who is closed-minded. By definition, science, especially biological science, is never settled. If it was, it would be dogma, not science. I want to be a good citizen. I really do. If lockdowns work, I want to do my part and stay at home. If masks work, I want to wear them. If social distancing is effective, I want to comply. But if there is evidence that don't work, so there's a study there or a link there, you can read that masks don't work. I want to hear that evidence too. If highly credentialed scientists have different, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not editing this, <clears throat> too much work. Uh, if highly credentialed scientists have different opinions, I want to know what they think. I want a chance to hear their arguments and make up my own mind. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world, but I think I can think. Maybe I'm weird. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe I'm weird, but if someone is censored, then I really want to hear what they think, don't you? And then, you know what? I'm just going to let you read the rest of that. That brings us to, to point number 17, the world's leading 
vaccinologist is sounding the the alarm, right? And then there's, uh, so basically the cliff notes, the, the guy's called Geert van den Bosch. So he sounds uh, some type of Belgian or, or, or nether um, uh, Dutch. So basically, uh, world's leading vaccinologist sounds the alarm. The, 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 the points are, so why the COVID vaccine may be putting so much pressure on the virus that we are accelerating its ability to mutate and become more deadly. Why the COVID vaccines may be creating vaccine-resistant viruses similar to how anti- antibiotics create antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And then why, because of previous Previous problems with antibody-dependent enhancement, we may be looking at a mass casualty event in the next few months, years. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's a video there, uh, someone interviewing this guy, Gerd van den Bosch. And so that's that was uh, reason 17. And then there's reason 18. Uh, the author says, I already had COVID. I didn't enjoy it. It was a nasty cold for two days, unrelenting, but low back aches, very low energy, low grade fever. It was weird not being able to smell anything for a couple of days. A week later, coffee still tasted a little off, but I survived. Now, I won't read the full uh, text there, but basically he says, now I have beautiful, natural, lifelong immunity and it's not going to wear off like when you get a vaccine, right? And uh, what I want to add is the guy looks like a very healthy guy. He, he helps people get healthy. He's like a health coach type thing. So yes, he's definitely, um, uh, he definitely had the health uh, and the ability to cope with COVID uh, much better than, than most folks. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing is that a lot of people are being, the, the, we're being scared to death of, of catching, catching the, the flu. And, you know, I've had the flu, I've been bedridden by the flu years and years ago, and it, it's horrible, you know? Um, but, uh, I, I survived and, and, you know, the m- m- most people survived the flu and, you know, it, it's funny, like in, in certain countries, like last year, <clears throat> for example, in, in Lithuania, there was zero flu deaths, right? So the, the, <clears throat> The entire year, there was zero flu deaths. So there's complete fuckery going on with the with the reporting, right? So anyway, so these are the author's um, reasons. I think it's a really good article. Um, I, I would tend to agree with a lot of these. For, for me, the most important thing to share with other people, please read the article, share with other people. Because people, uh, a lot of people, they trust their uh, whatever, the guy in the white lab coat, uh, the guy, the news anchor on TV. And I think a lot of people, through no fault of their own, they just trust too much. And um, unfortunately, th- there's there's multiple agendas going on. And, uh, you know, one of the most obvious ones is is money money making for these pharma companies. But there's other kind of more sinister stuff going on. So I think... You know, we have to baby step it in terms of educating other people. Uh, there's no point in kind of going straight into the, uh, you know, the potentially other agendas that are out there. But I think this is a good start. This article is a really good start because at the very least, 
it might plant a seed in some people's heads. And uh, that doesn't mean that no nobody should get the COVID vaccine. Some people that are maybe at a higher risk, they're, they're definitely, you know, uh, better candidates for, for a vaccine. But, you know, the, this, this vaccine that is highly experimental and tested and obviously is showing a lot of risk, uh, it shouldn't be pushed on all of us. We should not be um, treated as second-class citizens if we want to refuse this vaccine. Not everyone is at risk. Most people, uh, if the death rate is 99.7%, sorry, if the survival rate is 99.74%, right? The, the, this is The agenda here clearly is not uh, your health, my health, and so on. The agenda here is restructuring the the way the world works right and you know we we've been taught by the school system to just be obedient uh basically uh, it's like learned helplessness we, we're scared to death using media tactics mainstream media uh and then we're just it's, it's like the old problem reaction solution if you've ever heard of that they create a problem that we we react in fear or or or, or whatever it, there's several emotions you can react with and then they offer a predetermined solution designed to push their agendas, right? So, uh, you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot to unpack there. I think I'll, I'll stop here because we can, if you, if you go into, for example, the the family history of Bill Gates, he's from a family of eugenicists. If you look at who is sponsoring the World Health Organization and these these kind of vaccines and what what their family history and what they're connected with. Uh, which is depopulating the earth, it, it 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 can turn into a whole big old rabbit hole here. So I think I will leave it at that. Again, I implore you, I beg you from the bottom of my heart, please share the article, read the article. Uh, and uh, I hope a few of you would subscribe to the Children's Health Defense newsletter. The, they don't spam. They give good information. Uh uh, you know, stuff you won't hear in the mainstream news. So at the very least, even if you're pro this vaccine, uh, you know, at the very least have a little bit more of an unbiased, more full uh, spectrum of of uh, what's really going on out there. Because a lot of these adverse events, they're not getting reported in the first place in the, in the, in the systems designed to, to, you know, collect that data. And then even when they are, no one is reporting about those over 2,000 deaths already that have happened. And some of those were children, young children. Some of those were pregnant women. And, you know, I have a couple of other episodes with uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, Dr. Joe Hirschhorn. Uh, you you can see what, uh, uh, so Dr. Scott Jensen, he is running for governor of Minnesota. You can, and he's a doctor. You can see what, <laughs> he says, and it kind of it will things will make a bit more sense that he, you know if, if doctors and people in the public light are questioning a lot of these what's happening out there, and then Dr. Joe Hirschhorn he talks about how uh, a, a load of deaths could have been prevented with early interventions and treatments that the basically the they were blocked by the Fauci and the. The, the CDC, the NIH, whatever, the, the U.S. government, those were blocked and people were being deplatformed from YouTube and so on for talking about hydroxychloroquine, uh, ivermectin, and, and, and kind of like th things like that that could, could, could have prevented a lot of deaths, 
from whatever it was, COVID or flu or whatever that was causing the deaths that were being reported. A lot of that could have been prevented, but they did not prevent that. They wanted this thing to to balloon in terms of uh, so people not getting treatment and at the same time bloating the numbers with straight up lies and corruption. So there's a lot of, I have a few resources there. Um, there is a, um, a podcast I would recommend you to listen to. Um, sorry, my brain is my brain is already kind of <laughs> uh, going hard for the last fifty minutes. Uh, the Ripple Effect podcast with Ricky Verandas. He he covers this in a lot more depth. The only reason I'm covering it now is because you know I'm kind of fed up of of of, of this. Where we are, we have literally all being conditioned to accept home, uh, um, what is it called? House arrest. Basically, we're kind of under house arrest, all of us. We're complete, like uh, so many of our freedoms have been taken away and they will continue to be taken away unless we educate more people when we stop stop com- uh, complying with these bullshit, uh, uh, unscientific, un- unbacked by research, things like masks and, uh, uh, you know, social distancing. There's no, there's, no, there's nothing... There's no evidence. There's no evidence. These are just random things pulled out of some uh, out of the air. And um, the 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 thing is, <clears throat> the biggest reason, right, is what the, why I I feel we need to share this information is, you know, if you have children, or you like children, or are planning to have children or grandchildren, I I I would assume that you want them to live their lives, you know, free and 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 not being poisoned by, uh, you know, food, pharma, vaccines, and things like that. They're untested. And this is what the Children's Health Defense are fighting for. So once again, I would implore you to subscribe to them. If you can throw 10 bucks uh, donation uh, there, that would, that would help their cause because they're suing. They're suing like the government and Facebook and so on. So there, there's a lot of lawsuits that they're they're pursuing, which is, you know, uh, we we need someone to do that on our behalf in a way because that that is unfortunately one of the ways that things can can be changed when legal action is taken the other one is for us to stop brainwash allowing ourselves to be brainwashed by by these mainstream media propaganda uh, uh bullshit spewing uh websites and so on and censors and so. anyway thank you for listening i hope you Find the article uh, informative and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into the Connecting Minds podcast. My name is Christian Yordanov. Uh, Good day.